0: Well, welcome to Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Jason is with you today. We're going to be talking about the baptism of Jesus. So this is going to be pretty exciting because this is the start of Jesus's Galilean ministry. And God used a man known as John the Baptist to prepare the way for the Messiah. So this is the encounter that you finally see between the two cousins. And it's a great picture of not just humility, but of the work that Christ came to do and how John the Baptist, how God used him to set the tone. Now, in this discussion, obviously, is a lot of different views within evangelicalism, if you will. On one side, there is this particular belief that baptism is necessary. It's a requirement for salvation. We know that even Roman Catholics uh, this is a sacrament of theirs. And so from the start, from the conception of their faith, baptism starts off the salvation process, if you will. And there are many that oppose that particular view. I, for one, biblically, theologically speaking, within context of scripture, from the teachings of Jesus to the early church of the apostles... Do not believe that baptism is necessary. It's not a prerequisite, if you will, for one to to be saved. I do believe that baptism, as we're going to look at with the baptism of Jesus, is symbolic. And in this case, with Jesus we're going to see in a minute has to do with the message of John the Baptist and what he came to do and what he was given going to do on the cross, it was like a picture of that. And Dr. Wiersbe does a beautiful job talking about that in his commentary. And the other thing I would say real quickly on this discussion on baptism, on where one stands uh, about it, is that it's a public display of what we believe internally and spiritually. And it is a um, command that we have before Jesus being baptized, and we see it as a practice within the early church. So, as we get into this, if you if you have a different view and you believe that baptism is necessary, the only thing that I really ask is that you do um, be open to spend time as you search the scriptures with the power of the Holy Spirit to ensure that. When you look at the message of grace, when you look at salvation, when you look at what Christ has done through his ministry and the teachings of the early church, to make sure you have a firm foundation of that because I, I honestly respectfully have to say I don't see that in Scripture. I see that the Bible says that we are to put our faith in his grace, that we're not saved by works, and, and it's not the, the actual water. That cleanses us from our sin is through the blood of Christ. So I don't want us to miss, though, the importance of baptism, but I want to make sure that we keep it in the proper context. So, having said that now, let's jump into three particular passages. These are all mentioned, the baptism of Jesus, all mentioned in the synoptic Gospels, Matthew chapter three verses thirteen through seventeen. And then we'll see a more abbreviated uh, passage in Mark chapter one, verses nine through eleven, and an even more abbreviated. Uh, passage in Luke chapter 3 verse 21 through 22 but again as we're going through a chronological teaching of the gospel this will be helpful because it puts things in context some elaborate or give more detail than others so that way when we reference all three you get a better picture and that's the whole purpose here on stand strong in the word so let's begin by reading Matthew chapter 3 verse 13 where it says then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. In Mark chapter 1 verse 9 through 11, it reads, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn up uh, open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And then finally, Luke chapter 3 verse 21 and 22 Now, when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him and bodily formed like a dove and a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well, well pleased. Now, if you notice something, there's a lot of things. We'll kind of cover them uh, again in abbreviation format because we don't have a lot of time. But notice in Matthew gives more detail about the encounter between John and Jesus. The fact that John did not want to be uh, the one to baptize Jesus, but said it should be the reverse. Um, And then notice the other accounts in Mark and Luke, they don't mention that. So again, this is the cool thing that when you're able to look at a particular incident in Scripture, particularly in the Gospels, you can kind of look at how each writer describes it to give us A different angle, not a different story, but you take the different angles and presentations that they have and you piece it together and you have a a better picture of what occurred. Now, having said that, let's dive right in and, and touch on a couple things. The first thing is notice where Jesus was baptized. It says that Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan and Marcus said Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee. And then it says in Luke, it just says that Jesus also had been baptized. Now, we know this was the Jordan, which is east of Jericho. This was the place where Jesus was baptized. And here's what's interesting about this. And this is why I believe John the Baptist chose this area because historically speaking, many scholars say that this was also an area whereby the passage was open for Israel under uh, the leadership of Joshua. And later, the same area around the uh, around the Jordan was uh, where the two prophets, Elijah and Elisha, uh, were hanging out. And now remember, John the Baptist uh, was mistaken many times to be the resurrected or in the spirit of Elijah. So I think that's significant why John the Baptist chose that particular area because of its historical um meaning and the importance of it in the past. Now notice something here. I think this is really cool in, in Matthew 3, 14 and 15. When Jesus comes on scene, and here's the cool thing about this too, by the way, Jesus comes to be baptized by his cousin. Now we don't know the kind of relationship and how many, how much interaction they had. Uh, the Bible doesn't tell us that, um, but Jesus comes to in support of John the Baptist's ministry. But notice John the Baptist's response to Jesus. He says, I need to be baptized by you. So here you have these two extraordinary men, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ is here. John the Baptist prophesied by Isaiah and Malachi to come to prepare the way for the Messiah. And he's telling people to repent. And yet you see both men come with great humility and notice something. When Jesus responds to John the Baptist, he says, I came to do this to fulfill all righteousness. See, Jesus was not being baptized by John as a sign of repentance. We we believe strongly as Christians that Jesus Christ was sinless. That's the impeccability of Jesus. He was without error. He's without fault. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that. Hebrews 4.15 says that. And Hebrews 7.26 and 1 John 3.5 five. Jesus was without sin. So when he came to be baptized, he was affirming, this is key. He was affirming the teaching of John the Baptist, not saying I need to repent for the kingdom of, of of heaven is at hand. He says, I came to fulfill all righteousness. I'm submitting to you. You're anointing me to start my public Galilean ministry. I'm the righteous one who will forgive my people of their sins. And that's what we see Later on in the writings of the apostle um, Peter and first Peter chapter one, notice the words he says in verse 20, he says, um, God was foreknown or Jesus, excuse me, was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, we are to love one another earnestly. Now, here's the key thing, and I can keep going on that, but you can read that later. First Peter chapter one, verses 22 and following, we cannot be made righteous without a righteous one. And the Bible says that when, when Jesus Christ gave up his life, he took on sin, he became the atonement for us. It was in, you know, in his righteousness now as a result, when we put our faith and trust in him has been imputed, has been put on us and has removed the filth. We have been declared righteous because Jesus is the righteous one. And that is the old man has passed away. The new has come. So as Wiersbe says, Jesus's baptism was like a picture of his future baptism on the cross. When he says, when all the waves and billows of God's judgment would go over him, which was prophetic in Psalm 42 verse 7 and Jonah 2 verse 3. Guzik puts it this way. He says, Jesus did not receive baptism because he was a sinner that needed to repent to be cleansed from his sins. He did it to completely identify himself with sinful man. This was the same heart that would lead to his ultimate identification with sinful man on the cross. I totally agree with that. It's a beautiful picture. So when Jesus came to be, to fulfill all righteousness and he was submitting to the authority that the father had given John the Baptist, who would go beforehand before the son was publicly known, because not only did John the Baptist publicly baptize Jesus, and we're going to see a minute, see in a minute what happened after he came out of the water. But it was also John the Baptist thereafter that says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So there are many people, as I said in the start of this podcast, who believe that baptism is necessary for salvation. However, I believe that it is not a biblical position. And there are countless scriptures that we can refer to. So on your own time, I encourage you to look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. I'm going to read in a minute Titus 2, verses 11 through 13, but read the entire chapter of Galatians 2, Romans 10, 9, and 10 as well. And again, there are many other passages of Scripture. Do your research, understand the positions. But notice what Titus 2, verses 11 through 13 says it says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. This message that came to us was from the grace of God. And what it said was, I'm going to give you something. That's what grace is. Kairos in Greek, unmerited favor. Something that you don't deserve. It's a gift. You're not expected to do certain things in order to receive this gift. But this gift that is going to appear, it's going to appear to all people and it's going to bring salvation uh, to the people who receive it. And it's going to teach us to not live ungodly, but to live godly lives. Nowhere in scripture and nowhere in the teachings of Jesus, do we see him saying baptism was necessary for salvation. So you have to make a strong case, um, to, to point that salvation is necessary um, or baptism is necessary for salvation. And I just, uh, in all due respect, I don't see it there. As Christians, we believe that we're saved by grace through faith. Now, baptism and why we do get baptized are for many reasons. One, because Jesus was baptized. And we also know that there are two sacraments that we hold dear, baptism and communion, now, we see through the practices of Jesus through the early church to the teachings of the apostles that when people came to know Christ as their Lord and Savior, when they've already confessed in Romans 10, 9 and 10 that he is Lord, they are indwelled. They're regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, baptism is just a public display of what you have internalized spiritually. So, when Jesus was being baptized, yes, it was a picture of his future baptism on the cross. So, when he... Went into the water, it's his burial. And so when you and I cross-reference that to Romans chapter six, verses four through six, we see that when we are baptized physically, you know, literally, whether it's at church or in a lake or an ocean, I baptize people in rivers and lakes and ponds and pools. I was baptized when I was a kid in my grandmother's pool with my brother and my cousin. I'll never forget that. It was a beautiful day. But I didn't do that because I wanted to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I was confirming that I already knew Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And when I was being put into the water or you or anyone for that matter was put in placed into the water, it's symbolic of saying we've been buried with Christ in the grave. And then when you come out of the water, it's the newness of life that we have defeated sin and death, or he has defeated sin and death, I should say. And we believe in that. We put our faith and trust in that. So that's the value there of baptism. So now notice something real quickly. As you continue on down the passage of Matthew 3, verse 16, it says that the heavens, when he came out out of the water, were opened up. In Mark 1.10, it said the heavens were being torn open. In Luke 3.21, it says, when Jesus came out of the water, he was praying and the heavens were opened. This public baptism under the public ministry of John the Baptist was the official start of Jesus' public Galilean ministry in Acts chapter 1, 20 and 22. Jesus was probably about 30 years old, which was really uh, the starting age for Levites when they began their public ministry as well and serving their people, the Jewish people. So that stays uh, current and consistent within the social structures of that day. But I love the fact that when he comes out of the water, man, the skies were ripping apart, if you will. And notice that The Bible says that when that happened, when he's coming out of the water and Luke adds a great detail, it says, as he's coming out of the water, he's praying. Matthew doesn't say that. Mark doesn't say that, but he comes out praying and it says in the Holy Spirit or literally the spirit of God descended on Jesus or literally in Greek, it rested on him in bodily form like a dove. This is amazing because this display here, you see the father comes and says, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, the second person, the Trinity comes to publicly start his ministry from John the Baptist, the prophet, and the Holy Spirit comes giving a public confirmation of heavenly authentication that Jesus is the Messiah. This act of the dove resting on Jesus was prophesied in Isaiah 11 verse one, which reads, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Not only was John the Baptist recognizing and publicly saying, this is the Messiah. This is the lamb of God. John one twenty nine. He will take away the sins of the world, but he was also an act. As he said, he came to fulfill all righteousness. He fulfilled prophecy. And he was taking on the spirit of wisdom and understanding and counsel and might and knowledge and fear. And when the voice came from heaven, this is my beloved son. You see this beautiful picture of the Trinity. Wearsby says, this is the first of three recorded occasions when the father spoke from heaven. The second we will see later on in our discussion on this podcast, as we go through the gospels was when Jesus was transfigured in Luke chapter nine. And then the third we'll see later on was during his last week before the cross. So keep that in mind. So there you have it. That hopefully gives you an understanding of not just Jesus' baptism and why he was baptized to fulfill righteousness and to authenticate not only John the Baptist's ministry, but to start his public ministry. and as it as as it becoming as it will become a foreshadowing of what he was going to do on the cross, but also, Uh, For us to understand that we do not need to be baptized in order to be saved, but we do get baptized because Jesus was baptized because we see it practiced within the early church because it symbolizes what we have publicly and internally confessed um, that Jesus Christ is Lord and we are saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves. It's a gift. We don't boast. We don't do good works. We don't try to prove ourselves. We don't get baptized by literal water thinking that that literally cleanses us from our sin. No, it's through the blood of Christ that we are forgiven. So until next time, keep standing strong in the word. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening and keep standing strong in the word of God.